Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Riley Smith. Well, the heat kicked up again this week. Let's hope it settles back down by the time we get to the Iowa State Fair. Welcome to this week's edition of Weekend Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. Russ Parker and Dustin Huffman will join us later on in the show. As for right now, let's start with a quick look at the news headlines. On Thursday, the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship announced that the last commercial Iowa poultry farm had been released from highly pathogenic avian influenza quarantine restrictions. The restrictions prohibited the movement of poultry and poultry products on or off the affected premises and were lifted after the farm cleared all HPAI testing protocols and quarantine requirements. Reaching this important milestone allows impacted farmers to turn the page from responding to the outbreak to repopulating flocks and returning to turkey and poultry production, said Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag. This year's outbreak was thankfully much smaller than the one in 2015 in large part due to the lessons learned and positive changes implemented by farmers, our team at the Iowa Department of Agriculture, and the USDA. Moving forward, we will work with partners to assess this year's response to ensure that we are even better prepared for any future disease challenges that may arise. The lifting of the final quarantine is caused to celebrate the great work and collaboration between Iowa's poultry farmers, the USDA, and the Iowa Department of Agriculture, said Kevin Stiles, the executive director of the North Central Poultry Association. We have been reassured by the response throughout the outbreak, but also are appreciative of the collective effort from all involved. The planning and preparation over the last five to seven years played an important role in Iowa being better prepared to meet the challenges of this outbreak. Since February, HPAI impacted U.S. poultry farmers. Today's announcement lifting the last commercial site quarantine in Iowa is great news, said Greta Irwin, Iowa Turkey Federation Executive Director. The fact that in 2022, Iowa had nine HPAI turkey cases instead of 71 like in 2015 shows that proactive plans and focused changes by Iowa's turkey farmers helped to reduce the number of cases. Quarantines remain in effect on four backyard flock sites and will be lifted as requirements for release are met. Biosecurity resources and best practices are available at iowaagriculture.gov forward slash biosecurity. If producers suspect the signs of HPAI in their flocks, they should contact their veterinarian immediately. Possible cases must also be reported to the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship at 515-281-5305. In other news, land values are rising, especially in Iowa. One of the biggest questions farmers are asking is what their land rent rates will be next year. With higher land values, farmers are expecting rent to be the next big input cost increase in an uncertain time. As farmers are working to lock in other inputs, such as fertilizers and seeds for 2023, they really need to know how many acres they will be farming before they can start. Farm Credit Services recently finished a 12-month regional land value survey in Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wyoming. Tim Koch, the executive VP of Business Development for FCS, said Iowa showed the largest gains. Those based on our metrics are in the 30 to 35 percent increase range. As we look at the same results for Nebraska, we show about a 25% increase over the prior 12 months ending June 30th of 2022. Now, if we look a little more recent, the last six months, so the first half of 2022, still showing gains across all of those markets, but at a much less amount. Koch said demand is being driven by producer profitability. Some farmers can offer a higher rent payment to secure more land. Amount of available real estate to sell, the whole supply and demand 
approach to that and demand has been really, really strong. In some markets, we've seen really good supply and in others where it's been a little tighter market, that's where we've seen even a few higher sales. However, where it is flat and dry, such as in western Nebraska and eastern Wyoming, optimism is a bit more constrained. You know, the other thing I think we want to pay particular attention to is what are profit margins doing in agriculture? Crop prices remain very strong from just a pure price perspective, but with the inflation and input costs, increasing interest rates, we are seeing those margins start to tighten. However, I I would be reluctant to not call out that overall profit margins we think are probably going to remain positive for 2022. High land values are great if you have land to rent or sell. The flip side is that there are many small to medium-sized farmers that cannot afford to pay what the large-scale farms do, and they could see a decrease in available acres. That is going to hurt their bottom line. That's all the time we have for news headlines this week. Check out the rest of our daily news stories on iowaagnet.com. We'll go ahead and kick it over to Russ Parker with this faith-based food for thought here on Weekend Ag Matters. Sometimes I think it would be fun to have a summer calendar that highlights seasons of the garden, like radish season, sweet corn season, tomato season, pumpkin season. It could be a good predictor of what we would be likely to be eating through the summertime. The other day when I came home, I could tell it was cucumber and zucchini season. The plants have been incredibly prolific, and as usual, we've come to realize that we planted way too many seeds based on the almost overwhelming number of grocery sacks full of cukes and zucchini. This on top of the bumper crop of peas my wife shelled last week and the second round that will be coming next week has added to the overabundance. When we have things in great abundance, or maybe put more than we will need, we are presented with a choice, a choice that impacts not only us, but those around us. Obvious questions arise specific to the garden like, Oh my goodness, what do we do with all these cukes and zucchinis and tomatoes, etc.? Part of the answer is making sure that there are provisions for the family. So canning, freezing, and processing is all part of the equation. So what about in our own life? What do you have that's more than you need? And I ask myself the same question. What do I have that's more than I need? Or maybe we could turn this around to a different perspective. What do we have enough of to share or to give back? For some, it might be money, or for others, there might be something that is not needed or used anymore. But perhaps the most precious of what we could have an overabundance of is time. Sometimes even those two or three minutes shared with another can be real life changers. What an intriguing line can be drawn starting with an abundance of cucumbers. But perhaps the best example of what we could have an overabundance of is love. And I think of someone having so much love for me that I was offered his only son. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. And that's it for segment one on this week's episode. Coming up after this short break, Dustin chats with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag. This is Weekend Ag Matters.
What's your idea of fun? Roller coasters? Concerts? Tractor pulls? Whatever it is, find your fun at the Iowa State Fair. 11 days of smiles, thrills, music, and yums. Visit the State Fair website, ticket office, or participating grocery stores now through August 10th for discounted admission tickets. Nothing compares to the fun you'll find at the Iowa State Fair, August 11th through 21st. Start finding your fun today at iowastatefair.org. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. It's time for us to sit down with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag and have our monthly chat just a month out from the Iowa State Fair. Also talking about the conditions we have with the weather and even some good news when it comes to the avian influenza situation we had earlier this year. So Secretary, it's great to have you here for our, our monthly discussion. A uh, month away from the State Fair already. I can't believe it's, it's that close already. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. You know, uh, uh, of course, I, I try to get to as many county fairs as I can, and I've been able to get to a couple, but it's it's always uh, it feels like we're leading into the great Iowa State Fair. And I, I think the weather is starting to make us feel like it's it's state fair time as well. But it, it's a great time of year. And uh, it's I call it the Super Bowl of Iowa agriculture. It'll be great to be able to welcome people from all across the state into Des Moines and and especially to give our young people a chance to compete and, and uh, gain some wonderful experience. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's always a great time to have that uh, that chance with those kids with their projects. And, you know, we were worried, you know, beginning of the year, would poultry be a part of the state fair? So far, it's looking like it's going to be a part of it. We're going we're gonna to be able to enjoy everything that the fair has to offer. And, and that that's, you know, hats off to everybody that made sure that that poultry, that bird flu didn't take off and get worse than it did. That's right. And, and at our county fairs, I've been absolutely seeing, I love to make sure I check in on those poultry projects because of course we were able to lift that prohibition. And and while numbers may be down because a few folks didn't know, you know there was some uncertainty around that, uh, the numbers you know are there. And so there are some young people that are participating. So uh, we hope that we don't have to go through that again next year and there'll be even more, uh, more of those projects. And of course, on that front of high path, uh, you know, this week uh, will be a big week in that uh, we are expecting to be able to lift the last quarantine on uh, on the last commercial site uh, that that uh, that was affected. So that means that as of this week or soon, uh, every commercial site will now be able to restock and get back into business. And so it's it's a milestone week uh, for us here. We're we're glad to put that behind us. Well, and I know it was also a situation that caused a little bit of uncertainty in the, at the supermarket. You know, people were looking at the price of eggs going up not long after we saw those first strains of bird flu come in. Hopefully in a time when we're looking at some economic uncertainty that, you know, a little bit of pushback, you know, maybe seeing some prices come down in the marketplace will help people as much as, as anything else. Well, of course, that's why it's so important that we do have effective plans in place to be able to respond to a foreign animal disease. Of course, at the beginning, it is an economically devastating experience for the producers and their livelihoods. But at the other end of the supply chain, it is also about food availability for consumers. And, you know, again, the, the, the fact that we had a much more effective response to high path this year meant that we did not see that supply chain, that supply dip, if you will, in egg production, at least, you know, from Iowa's standpoint, egg production, 
but you know, we were looking at uh, broiler production and turkey production as well. So when you're able to effectively respond, when producers were able to increase their biosecurity, that meant we were able to minimize the supply disruption, which is good for all of us. Another thing that we're going to be talking about during the state fair, obviously, too, is Century and Heritage Farms. That's a big deal. I mean, talking to people wherever you go, you're always going to run into a farmer that's had that that farm in their family for several generations. Just yesterday, down in Keokuk, we talked to a farmer. They're, they're, they're the sixth generation, and they've got two generations guaranteed behind them already. So making those preparations and being able to honor those families is a big deal as well. This is really one of the highlights of the fair for me. It takes us all day, and I love it. We set up in the historic livestock pavilion, and we're able to welcome hundreds of families, but that ends up being thousands of Iowans and, and I guess, people from outside of the state as well. But some of the most meaningful families or experiences for me are when you've got as many as four generations of a family that cross the stage. You know, in the past, we've had grandpa or grandma, great-grandma or grandma and grandpa you know, over 100 years old, and you've got babies on the stage who are literally a few weeks old. And to be able to see that right in front of you on the stage and meet generations of a family, that is incredibly special. But uh, yeah, our team's working hard to get ready for that. I've got a couple hundred uh, certificates that I need to sign here before the uh, the fair as well. And I always like to get a chance to look through those and, and see some of those family names. Well, definitely uh, make sure that you got an ice pack or anything. Once you start signing all those, it's going to get a little sore. And I know another thing that's great is obviously we have those great livestock groups and, and, and the ag groups around with the food. I know the food, we, we joke about it a lot, but it's definitely a big part of the fair. And it's a great way to highlight a lot of the products we raise here in the state. Well, it is. And, you know, again, at the county fair level and certainly at the state fair, that experience, you know, you've got families who come to the fair and that might be one of the most meaningful ag experiences that they're going to have in, in the year. And so what's that mean? Well, it gives you a chance to go to the Animal Learning Center and, and you know, see babies being born and, and talk to producers about, you know, what that process entails and what it's like to be a farmer. And and then, of course, you get to then go sample, go to the turkey grill, the the, the pork tent, the the beef quarters, you know. Uh, go get your egg on a stick, go to the dairy barn and get your ice cream. You know, that is, we, we get to connect the dots, right? Between the production and the animals and the, the people around the livestock industry in the state of Iowa. And then you get to connect all the way down to where consumers ultimately benefit by having that food. And so, and it's a lot of fun as well, but I, I think it's really important. That's why you'll see us with a significant uh, footprint in the ag building from the uh, Department of Agriculture and the commodity groups, but also in the varied industries building, we have a booth and uh, we love it when people come up and ask questions and talk about, uh, you know, talk about what their experience was or is. And, and uh, we get a chance to really dig into some, some, some maybe some tough questions or some uh, questions that consumers have that just don't know a lot about agriculture. We, we welcome those opportunities. And I know you're quite the connoisseur at the dairy barn. I've, I've been told that you can go up there and, and have a, have a shake and be like, Hmm, that's a Cherokee County Holstein, I would say about three years old, and you compare it to maybe like a Dubuque County Guernsey, it's about a year old. Well, you might be giving me a little more credit than uh, that I'm owed, but I tell you what, I, 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 do, I, do, I, I do count myself as a connoisseur of the dairy barn, and by the end of the fair, I will have, of course, sampled everything that they have many, many times. <laughs> Now, obviously, bringing up those counties, one thing I've been going around and one thing I know you've been hearing, too, is 
the conditions of things, like switching away from the state fair. I mean, we, we're dry, we're hot, we're, we're hoping to get a little more rain. What kind of things are you seeing here and uh, from when you're traveling around the state? Well, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that we, we are blessed and we are so thankful that we started the year with uh, moisture in the soil profile, which was different than last year when we, we didn't. The tank was empty. Well, this year, at least we did have uh, that soil profile had moisture in it, and that got us off to a good start. But as we got into the end of June, we were dry. Then we picked up some rain pretty widespread across the state. But now, as is typically the case in July, here we are. It's hot. It's in the 90s, and and uh, we've shut the water off a little bit. So, you know, very much uh, on the minds of farmers. I have seen some places in the state that look phenomenal. And then I've seen some places where maybe what I would say is there's a lot more variability in the crop. You know, it depended on when it got planted. But when I look at, at the 10-day forecast and I see at least chances for rain, this time of year you'll take that because uh, with these temperatures, we're going to need to replenish that. But I would say broadly across the state, and I've traveled pretty extensively in the last you know, two weeks or so, I've seen a lot of a lot of our fields uh, from the from the windshield. Uh, but things look amazingly good. We just need to keep that moisture coming. And of course, we're watching uh, that western and northwestern Iowa, where you continue to see that drought, that persistent longer term drought is there. And uh, that's just not something that you can fix with one or two rainstorms. That's going to be something that, frankly takes months or maybe even into next year to, to really correct that situation. So we do have D3 drought uh, back in the state of Iowa, unfortunately. So now looking at here, coming close to the end of July, you know, what kind of things do farmers need to be thinking about? What kind of things from IDALs do they need to know about you know, heading into the, the second half of the growing season? You know, we're, we're, we're watching, of course, uh, what's going on with uh, fungicide applications and product availability and those types of things. But really, you know, now is the time where you're flipping that page and you're looking ahead to harvest. Um, you know, it's a, it's a time of year where folks need to be thinking about propane. That's always something that I'm going to be talking about during this time of year. Have you booked ahead? Do you have enough storage on your farm? You should make some assumptions and, and make a forecast for your operation and what you might need in terms of grain drying. Of course, there's a lot of things that have to happen between now and harvest that'll impact that. But I think we need people thinking ahead on that. Of course, the other thing that we're out really pushing right now would be cover crops. You know, again, thinking about harvest, thinking about getting those acres seeded down. We're now pushing 3 million acres of cover crops that are getting planted in the fall each year in the state of Iowa. That's a, that's a lot of acres. That's a lot of moving parts. And so we're really encouraging people to think ahead. And if you'd like to try uh, cover crops for the first time, there's cost share available for you, $25 per acre. Get into your county conservation office. And if you're a previous user of, of uh, cover crops, we'll offer you a $15 per acre cost share. So uh, there's lots of opportunities to try this and we'll help you de-risk that experience as you get started. But uh, we're really excited about the trajectory that we're on when it comes to cover crops. We're at 3 million acres roughly. We need to uh, be pushing that to 5 and 6 million acres. So we've got a lot of work to do. All right. Well, if anybody wants updates on what's going on on IDALs, what's the easiest way for them to get in touch or find that information? You know, again, from a conservation standpoint, get into or, or contact the county conservation office, somebody from the Soil Conservation District, Iowa Department of Ag or USDA can help you out. And then visit our website, iowaagriculture.gov, for uh, everything from the, the hay and straw directory to information about cover crops or uh, in, uh, propane as well. So that's a great source of information or follow us on our social media uh, channels as well. 
All right, Secretary. Well, next time we'll be talking from the Iowa State Fair. Looking forward to it, and we'll see you again next month. I am looking forward to that. We'll see you at the fair. That again was Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag here on Weekend Ag Matters. Riley Smith coming back to wrap things up, so stay with us. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. It's time for our weekly recap of the U.S. Export Sales Report with Allendale Commodity Broker Greg McBride. Uh, Greg, what came out on the report this morning for corn and soybean exports? Well, it was it was neutral across the board. Uh, we came in at uh, 606.6 thousand tons for uh, for corn. That was a combination of uh, of friendly new crop sales, but uh, pretty low uh, old crop sales. Uh, and uh, beans came in 458,000.2 uh, tons. There, we were at uh, about 200,000 for uh, the old crop, which was actually above expectations, and we were about 250,000 for uh, for the new crop uh, side of things. So um, we've set the bar so low here in the last uh, few weeks that uh, anything uh, above zero is going to, to look uh, look decent for us at this point. Um, new crop sales continue to impress. I mean, they're, they're not necessarily huge right now, but this is, a, this is an early time of the year for us to be making some of those sales. So we are a, on a very good pace for new crop, but uh, the biggest concern right now is is that the old crop sales have uh, have lagged for about the last uh, four to six weeks. All right, and were there you know any surprises from this report or any flash sales or anything like that? Uh, no flash sales today. We did have a flash sale of 136,000 tons of uh, of beans to China yesterday for new crop. Um, we do expect, or we've been hearing, there's potential for uh, for 10 more cargo, so maybe about uh, 600,000 tons uh, coming. But uh, we haven't seen any uh, any numbers off of that or had any uh, anything official uh, just yet. Uh, probably the biggest surprise here is. Uh, it, Early uh, early marketing year uh, sales for wheat uh, have looked uh, looked good for a few weeks in a row. Last week was over a, a million. This week is over half a million. So those those sales look good. But the meat, the meal, oil, uh, corn, and beans have not been uh, have not been all that strong uh, as of uh, as of late. All right, and I mean, you know, what would be the biggest takeaway from this week's report? Is it really just you know that, like you said, we have numbers that are greater than zero on it? Yeah, I mean, I I think the the concerns that we have right now is just that uh, all of all of a sudden the old crop sales have have dropped off uh, here 
over the last uh, four to six weeks. And that is that is a concern as we go into the end of the marketing year. I think you're about uh, five or six weeks away from the end of the marketing year. If we don't pick it back up a little bit, uh, we we are in danger of missing on the uh, the USDA's uh, uh, export sales goals for the old crop, which what if that's the case, you'll move that number down a little bit. And what will happen is you'll actually increase your uh, ending stocks on new crop uh, uh, because of the beginning stock uh, change just here uh, as we move into the uh, to the new crop uh, marketing year. All right. I mean, in any advice for listeners who are you know seeing this and maybe a little concerned from from what they see uh, and just kind of how to navigate that. Yeah, the biggest thing right now is you've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, weather and uh, macroeconomic uh, situations that are are moving these markets. We're seeing a, a increased. Uh, or we're seeing very good volatility, so there is the, there is still uh, some worry that we could see these markets fall off. But um, the bigger thing is you have to realize uh, where you're at right now. You are below uh, the insurance level for corn and beans, so um, making new hedges or new sales at these levels is not necessarily going to be all that beneficial uh, because you do have the insurance that uh, will pick up here. So if we do get some sort of bounce, that would be your opportunity to make it to go back and 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 resume making sales if you haven't uh, made a whole heck of a lot of sales right now. Other than that, we look at the we look at the big forecast uh, picture, and right now there is uh, there is rain, and they've dropped off some of the heat uh, for the Western Corn Belt, which was the driest and hottest uh, area in the in the country. And now we're starting to look at August weather, and the August weather right now, from what NOAA has uh, updated with us uh, today, does look hot and dry. So there could still be some weather premium that gets put back into this market, but uh, uh, we'll know it uh, when it comes because that's uh, the problem with uh, some of these weather markets is you you can have rain or you can not have rain in the forecast, but if it shows up or doesn't show up, that's when the market's going to move. All right, Greg, lots of great information today. Uh, for those of our listeners who would like to learn more and get in touch with the folks at Allendale, how can they do that? They can give us a call at 800-2-MARKET. That's 800-262-538. That again was Allendale Commodity Broker Greg McBride. That's it for today's episode of Weekend Ag Matters. Thanks again for tuning in. You can listen to this episode and more by going to the podcast tab on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network website at iowaagnet.com. For Russ Parker and Dustin Huffman, I'm Riley Smith, wishing you a great rest of your weekend. Join us again next week for more Weekend Ag Matters. 